0: Hello and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz.
1: Ira Sankey was a gospel singer and composer. He was known for his long association with D.L. Moody. He was traveling on a Delaware River steamboat, It was asked to sing a hymn. As he sang, shepherd like or savior like a shepherd lead us, a man stepped from the shadows and asked, did you ever serve in the Union Army? Yes, he answered, in the spring of 1860. Can you remember if you were doing guard duty on a bright moonlit night in 1862? Yes, he replied, very much surprised. The man answered, so did I, but I was serving in the Confederate Army. When I saw you standing at your post, I thought to myself, that fellow will never get away alive tonight. I will raise my musket and take aim. At that instant, just as a moment ago, you raised your eyes to heaven and began to sing. And I thought, well, let him sing his song. I can shoot him afterwards. The words you sang stirred up many memories. I began to think of my childhood And my God-fearing mother, she had many times sung that song to me. When you had finished your song, it was impossible for me to take aim again. And my arm of its own accord dropped limp at my side. Music is the true time machine. It takes us back in time to people and places and lessons from long ago. To the child of God, there's always a song of confidence, comfort, and victory. We're going to read here in our text in just a moment, Psalm 144. It's been called another battle song to help you in your spiritual warfare. It affirms God's all-encompassing provision. It tells us of the imminence and the nearly apocalyptic Sense of God's coming to rescue his people. It thus reflects a similar sense of hope of the Lord's victory over his enemies and the coming of the Messiah to rule the earth, one writer said. With that in mind, let's stand and read Psalm 144. Psalm 144, I want you to stand and read along with me. We'll have it up here on the screen as well. Psalm 144. Let's read aloud together. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man, that thou takest knowledge of him, or the Son of Man, that thou makest account of him? Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thine arrows, and destroy them. Send thine hand from above. Rid me, and deliver me out of great waters. From the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David, his servant, from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude Of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Think of this. Just as Ira Sankey was confident and happy in his God, no matter the circumstance or the danger that was before him, God has provided a way that we can be confident and happy in him, no matter what we face. It is possible by God, his grace, and his strength. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to write this down, if you will, this morning. You say, how can I be confident and happy in the Lord? Number one, by allowing God to prepare you. Note that word prepare. The word blessed we find in verse one, blessed be the Lord my strength, is found 302 times in the Bible, 47 times in the book of Psalms. Here in this text, it means to kneel or bow before It also means happy when it talks about us being blessed of God. We're happy people. Happy, oh, how happy we are as the people of God. The word happy is found 28 times in the Bible. It can mean blessed, oh, how blessed we are of God. We're rejoicing in the Lord. Happy is that people, the Bible says in verse number 15 That is, in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Without the Lord, we think about what we miss, the rejoicing, the happiness, the blessing, the victory that God gives. We are a blessed people, and we're to rejoice in the Lord, and out of that comes a confidence God wants us to be confident in Him and in His Word. We're to be a a, a victorious people, not a people who are always worried and fretting and wringing our hands and, oh no, what are we going to do? Let's all be reminded this morning that there is a God in heaven. And he's sovereign. He's in control. There's nothing that takes him by surprise. Nothing that catches him off guard. There's nothing that is going on in our world right now or will ever go on yet that he doesn't already know about. In his foreknowledge, looking ahead in time, he saw you and me and our present circumstance and challenge. And you know the Bible says, that God gives us a song of victory, but it's not just a song of victory here and there, but sometimes even in the night, the night of trouble, the night of trial. Sometimes, how have I made it through the night? I've just listened to music that minister grace to my heart. There are songwriters. How did they make it through their trouble and trial like Ron Hamilton. How did he make it through? How did he write, Oh, rejoice in the Lord, for he makes no mistakes. When they went in, he said the doctor to him before his surgery on his left eye, he said, You know, if it's not much there, you'll come out and you'll have some bruising, but you'll be all right after some days. But uh, if there's cancer there, you'll come out missing your left eye. And he came out without his left eye. What did he do? He turned all of that into a song. He began to wear a patch, and the children said, You look like a pirate. And then one called him Patch the Pirate, and it stuck. He gave it to God, he rejoiced in the Lord. No matter what came his way, he knew that God was proving him, God was preparing him, God was testing him and trying him. His son-in-law said that Ron Hamilton could rejoice in the Lord because he lived a life of humility, stability, and tranquility. I wonder, are you at rest today? No matter what God has allowed to come into your life, no matter what you're facing, Are you at rest in the Lord knowing that He goes before you and that God is working on your behalf to teach you, to prepare you, to equip you to do what God has given you to do? I think about this. This word teacheth here in verse number one. Note this it means to goad, as in a rod. This was used in these days as an incentive to provoke obedience, a right response. He's saying here that God was teaching me through my troubles and my trials. God was goading me. God was pressing upon me and pointing me down a certain path that perhaps I would not have chosen for myself, but I trust God that he knows what he's doing. God is goading me. I wonder how many of us, that's where we're at. God, in essence, is kind of poking at us, prodding us, goading us, and we're just kind of hung up on why he's doing that. Any of you ever work at a cattle sale barn? You know what it's like to goad. Isn't that right? I know what it's like to have that stick kicked too and knocked out of my hands. I know what it's like be goaded of God he said now God is preparing me God knows there are battles ahead I've got to be ready for them you're not going to be ready to engage the enemy by living a soft life a carefree life a life with no troubles and trials no uh, confusing quandaries that you ever enter into You're never going to be what God wants you to be without wading into those waters of trouble and trial and difficulty. God knows what He's doing. David said, God is teaching my hands to war. Even my fingers. The point there is down to the very detail. God is preparing me, equipping me for all that I will face. And God is getting me ready for that which is coming into my life. Now I want you to note with me here in verse 2 what he says. I think it's amazing. David underscores his personal connection to God by describing him with expressions in which the possessive pronoun my predominates. Notice this. He's my goodness, my loving kindness, my fortress stronghold, my high tower. That's an inaccessible place as in a cliff refuge or defense. He's my deliverer, my escape, my shield, my arm protector, my trust, the one I confide in, the one I take refuge in. The Bible says he is the one, in the end of verse 2, who subdueth my people under me. Note this. The word subdueth means to overlay or to conquer My people, a congregated unit, a troop or a a nation even, those who were gathered against David. Now think about it. David says, this is my people. This is my enemy. This is my fight. This is my battle. And God is preparing me specifically to engage my enemy. I don't know about you, but that, that helps me. To know that God is preparing me for the challenges I'm going to face, in particularly, specifically, What God is doing, that's what God's doing for each of us here this morning. And God wants us to be responsive to that and to receive that in faith, knowing that God is going before us. King David praised the Lord, recognizing that it was God who subdued nations and enabled him to win the victory over his enemies. God was the one who was with him, going before him, preparing him for this battle. B.B. Warfield said, In the infinite wisdom of the Lord of all the earth, each event falls with exact precision into its proper place in the unfolding of his divine plan. Nothing, however small, however strange, occurs without his ordering or without its peculiar fitness for its place in the working out of his purpose. And the end of all shall be the manifestation of his glory and the accumulation of his praise. God knows every exact detail of who you are and what you're going to face and what it's going to take for you to prevail. I'm glad for that today. I'm not in this battle alone. No wonder we can sing, Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. My confidence is in Him. I am a confident, victorious, happy Christian I'm not someone who's under the circumstances of life. I'm under the hand of Almighty God. And so as I see God going before me, I see a buffer that God puts between me and my enemies, and he is my rock and my defense. Number two, I want you to write this down. How are you going to be a confident and happy Christian? Number two, by trusting God to protect you. By trusting God to protect you. The Lord has ultimate control, one writer said. Bow thy heavens, in verse 5. Underline that. David said, bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. It's an idiom, meaning make the sky bend down as you descend, Lord. Come down, stretch forth your hand and rescue me and deliver me. David affirmed God's role as the one who protects Israel and determines her military success. God's absolute sovereignty in this respect was repeatedly impressed upon David throughout the course of his entire reign. He learned to trust God all the way through. Have you learned to trust God yet? Are you at a place to where you can say, I don't know what's going on, but I know that God knows, and I'm going to trust Him? Are you still fretful, worrisome, easily discouraged and it's like wow I don't know I mean why am I facing this I'm trying to do what's right I'm trying to serve God and here this trouble comes God knows that it would have never come into your life or into my life unless it first passed through his hand do we believe that do we trust God in all of that do we know that God is preparing us and that God will protect us notice notice We see in verse 7, send thine hand from above, rid me and deliver me out of the what? The great waters. Oh, it's a picture here of the size and the might of the enemy, something that is vast and without number, something that I'm no match for, Lord, but something that is no match for you. I want to thank God that he knows exactly what's going on in your life and in my life. I think of a verse here, and I want you to turn with me back to Psalm 125. Hold your place, Psalm 125. This is a powerful reminder that God gave me years ago in Bible college in verse 3. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do you see that? God is saying here there's a point there to where he limits the attack of the enemy because he knows there's a point to where his servants will lose heart and succumb to the pressure, to the opposition, to the enemy. Hey, God knows where you're at. You you say, well, I'm going to be overwhelmed. I'm going to be drowned here. Well, God's got you. He's got me. We have to understand that even though the enemies come in like a flood, the Bible says in Isaiah, remember? The great waters, I mean, it's something that is overwhelming our our minds, our thoughts, our souls, our, our very being. It's like, Lord, you're going to have to help me here. God hears the cries of his children, and God protects us. God goes before us, and God delivers us. Notice here what we read in verse number 10 in Psalm 144 it is he that giveth salvation unto kings who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword Jewish tradition says this was a reference that may allude to the sword of Goliath who was a biblical symbol of Gentile opposition to God and his people he said Lord I'm going to trust you as you have delivered so will you deliver because no matter what evil intent others have toward you or your people, as you have proved yourself faithful in the face of such opposition, you'll prove yourself faithful now. I don't know who's risen up against you, who will rise up against you, who's pushing back on you, who's trying to doubt you, indict you, discredit you. I don't know what you're going to face in life, but God knows. And here's a good thing, you don't face it alone. And so I ask you today, What would you think or who would you think is your greatest enemy? I've dealt with people for a long time as a pastor. Think of this. Sometimes you judge others for fear that they might judge you. You doubt others for fear that they might doubt you. You discredit others for fear that they might discredit you. You keep people at a distance for fear they might disagree with or disappoint you. You accuse people of what you're actually guilty of for fear that they might discover who you really are. What is a common theme here? What is a word you heard in every statement? It's the word fear. One thing God wants to protect you from is yourself, your own fears, your own worries and doubts. Some people are so insecure and they size everyone up And they measure everyone and interact with them on the basis of their fears. But perfect love casts out fear, the Bible says. I'm not going to let that person uh, slight me. I'll slight them first. I'm not going to let them doubt me. I'll doubt them. You see? You, You let fear drive you. God wants to be your deliverer for what would threaten you in your service to him. Your love for him, your love for others, uh, there are fears. There is a fog that God wants to deliver us from. I read this story of the early days of the establishment of the British colony in Australia. I've been and preached in Australia many times. A herd of sheep was sent from Scotland to provide the basis for feeding and clothing the residents. A large quantity of hay was loaded on board to feed the sheep during the long voyage And after many weeks passed, the ship was trapped in a dense fog and forced to anchor to avoid being driven aground against the hidden rocks. While the ship was anchored, the sheep began refusing to eat their hay. The owners weren't sure what the problem was, but they feared the sheep would die. When the fog lifted after two days, the reason became clear. The green coast of Australia was in sight. Smelling the sweet grass that lay before them, even though they could not see it, the sheep lost all interest in the dry hay. The reason things of earth are so enticing or fearful to us is that too often we have lost sight of what is waiting for us. It is our duty to keep our affections fixed on what is in heaven rather than seeking the things of this world. The more we focus on what awaits us beyond the fog of this present day, this present time, the less power trials and temptation will have over us. God wants to deliver us from our fears, from our fog. What has clouded your vision of God and your understanding of his will for your life? God wants to deliver us from our foes, our real enemies. Saul had been fighting David, an imagined enemy, For so long that when the real enemy showed up, the Philistines, the nation was not prepared. That's what our leaders are doing in our country today. They're fighting parents, families, marriage, life, gender identity, the very tenets and the foundations upon which this country was built. And they think we're the enemy. We better be careful and humble ourselves because one day, the real enemy is going to show up. And if we're not careful, we're not going to be prepared. Because there are enemies in this world that hate our country and they despise our freedoms and they would control us in a heartbeat and you say, we're just too big to fail. Oh, be careful, friend. That's what Israel thought about themselves. They were too big to fall. But I want to tell you, there's a God in heaven who's just and if we reject him, And if we defy him continually as we are, see, think about it. There are people that think, those who love America and love our freedoms, that we're the enemies. If we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, we're the enemy. If we believe that God only made male and female, there's only two genders, we're the enemy. If we believe that life begins at conception, we're the enemy. Do you see what I'm saying? We're not the enemy. We're the ones who love God. We're the ones who love people. We're freedom-loving people. We want to do what's right. We love our country because we realize that there is a great sacrifice, a great price that has been paid. Some of us have loved ones who laid down their lives, shed their blood, never made it back home to get married and have a family and to do all that many of us got to do. We have that appreciation for their sacrifice. Yeah, we're raising a generation that knows nothing of sacrifice. God have mercy on us. If we keep fighting each other, the imagined enemy, the day's coming when the real enemy's gonna show up and we're not gonna be ready. That's what it was for Saul. But David knew better. He knew there was a real enemy against God and against God's people. Let's get our sights on the real enemy. By the way, I'm not your enemy you're not my enemy. The devil wants to get us to turn on each other. Always living with the spirit going back to our fears or our insecurities or the way we were raised or the way we were taught or what we've seen others do or what we size others. Be careful. The Bible warns us against evil surmising. That means coming to a conclusion about something or someone without the right information, whether it be accurate or sufficient, evil surmisings, making the wrong conclusions. Can you imagine how many of us today, if we're not careful, that's the battle we're fighting, and that's the bondage we're in. You think someone's your enemy when they're not. They're your ally. They're your friend. They would help you perhaps more than any other in this life, and the devil spends all his time trying to sow seeds of doubt. Dissension, division, and we suspect everyone on every hand. God help us to find our true confidence in the Lord. The Bible says, number three, we can live a confident and a happy life by expecting God to provide for us, for you and yours. In verses 12 through 15, David sought God's continued concern in providing for his people's physical and material needs. He used a variety of poetic images. Let our young sons be as strong as grown-up plants. Our daughters be as strong and beautiful corner pillars in a palace. Our garners or our storehouses be full. Our flock be so fruitful that they'll bring forth thousands and ten-thousands Our cattle bear healthy calves without mishap. And no outcry or complaining in the streets that there be peace in the land. Oh, happy is that people who trust God for this and live this out in their lives. They see the treasure and the blessing of true gratitude and contentment. The blessing of family. The blessing of community the blessing of country. I don't know about you, but one thing I don't want to meet God with is after I have lived in such a land of abundance that all I could do was find fault and complain. I noted News commentator said just this past week, We have bred a generation of people who will endlessly complain in perpetuity. No accommodations will ever be sufficient. The word complaining here means a screech or a cry of anguish. It's as though it's someone who's always anxious that is rooted in ingratitude and unbelief. Unsettled, unhappy, discontented, frustrated, aggravated, never grateful, never seeing the goodness of God, his mercies every morning. Yeah, he's supposed to do this. Yeah, I'm supposed to have that. The entitlement mindset that so many live with today will be the death knell of us if we're not careful. It is rooted in pride. It is rooted in self-will. It is rooted in ingratitude and unbelief rather than grateful for opportunities God gives, blessings or health or strength or provision. Rather than being grateful, it's never enough or it's never just right. May God deliver us and cause us to be a rejoicing people, a confident people, a happy people. God wants to prepare us by proving us. He wants to protect us from our own fears as well as our foes. And he wants to provide for us to bless our city and our country. I read this and I close. There comes a time, many times actually in the lives of our children where we have to put the basket in the water We have to let go and trust the plan of the Father. The world is a scary place, a place where we fear our children could drown, but we must remember that we have to let go so that God can draw them from the waters for his great purpose. He has called us to be their parents, but they were his first. My friend, whatever water you may be getting ready to put your basket into, remember that you have to put them in the water for God to draw them out and place them into his perfect plan. So you might not be physically present with your child as much during the next phase of life, you can always petition the heart of the Father on their behalf. We're going to have to trust ourselves and our children and our grandchildren to God. Do you believe He can take care of us? Do you believe he will? Well, if we believe that, then we ought to sing the song of praise. We ought to sing the song of victory. We ought to be a happy people. Grateful, rejoicing, humble, stable, tranquil, at peace with God and each other.
0: Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube, and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.